We're going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The gospel of our Lord. You can be seated. Well, we are officially having our second gathering here in this place. Thank you guys to all who made the uh, sacred snow service online. Uh, that was fun. That was unique. Hope we don't have to do that all the time. But I just so you know, I actually am grateful that we have technology like that so we can reach out and contact one another in that way. It was good to see your faces on that snowy day. And uh, yeah, so hopefully we don't have to do that too frequently. But did everybody stay safe and warm? And hopefully you weathered the storm pretty good, uh, pretty well. How many had at least a foot of snow? Yeah, it was pretty bad. So I want to speak to you real quickly this, this afternoon on just the subject of words. I don't know where this is going to go, so uh, pray for me and, and hopefully this will be all right. But I actually think it's interesting that the psalm today actually has that preacher's prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. Um, I, I guess I'll start by saying this, and I do ask God that he would somehow speak to all of us here and that he could somehow use the foolishness of my preaching to uh, change our lives. So, Father, speak to us this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Jesus came preaching. I'll, let's start with that idea that he came preaching. That was one of the first things that he did. Um, and he comes preaching in this text, and they hand him the Isaiah scroll, but he got to choose what to read. And it's always dangerous uh, when you give people that ability. The United Methodist Bishop, Will Willimon, said that preaching is a primary means by which God loves God's people through words. And that changed me when I read that. I thought that's a good way of putting it. It's, it's God's way of loving God's people through words. Um, but man, words can get you into trouble. And words can set things off in a different way. And not everybody likes the type of words that you're dishing out. And so uh, I think the preacher's prayer that we read today, or the prayer that you see in Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight are important because sometimes in their sight they want to throw you off a cliff. And if you keep reading that text, that's exactly what they wanted to do because words can get you into trouble. In the tradition where we come from, where I come from, maybe you can relate to this, there's something called testimony service. And I used to love testimony service when it would happen because there would always be something crazy that you wouldn't expect, something unpredictable. And uh, those of you who know me, you know that I live for awkward moments in church. And um, testimony service is absolutely perfect soil to grow awkwardness in church, although I seem to do pretty good without a testimony service today with that keyboard. Um, but spontaneity can be fun, and uh, I was thinking about this this week. We had uh, a little meeting, and we were singing the song, We're Marching in the Light of God, and uh, 
Reverend Gail gave Maudie a chance to pick the next verse. So you, do you know that song, We're Marching in the Light of God? It's like, we are marching in the light of God. So you could replace marching with anything, and Maudie picked Brushing Our Teeth. And I never thought to sing Brushing Our Teeth in the Light of God, but it, that worked well. And um, some of you were on our Sacred Snow Day service, and John Luke thought a good song to sing would be Old Lang Syne. And I said, you know, we might do that someday. Um, my, my Uncle Fred tells a story, or actually it's told about him, how when he was in, uh, when he was young, I want to say around elementary school age, kindergarten age, he was in a Catholic service. My family was raised Catholic. And the priest was canting and, and singing, and something about that canting triggered something in his mind, and he just thought the priest was singing a song that he heard on TV, and so he chimed in with the priest, and he said, Mickey Mouse, because it just sounded like something off that show. Um, my Uncle Dave, this is a story I had to get verified through my mom, but uh, he had learned the song Only a Boy Named David, because that was his name. And so in front of the whole church, they, they said, why don't you get up there, David, he's young, and they said, why don't you get up there and sing the song that you want to sing? thinking that it would be only a boy named David. And instead he gets up there and he sings a cigarette commercial, and I guess there used to be a cigarette brand called Winston, and he gets up in front of the whole church and he sings, Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. And I guess that didn't go over too well. Um, there's an internet video that's going around that's really funny that I personally, it's one of my favorites, it's this little kid and the church is having a testimony service, and it's crowded, it's packed, it's a really, you know, celebratory moment. And this kid, they let this kid come up to give his testimony. He walks up to the stage real somber, he walks up like this, they hand him the microphone, and he says in front of the whole church, he goes, I'm tired of this church. <laughs> and, he hand, and he hands the mic back. <laughs> so you got to be careful uh, who you let speak in church. And I think, that's really crude, but I think... <laughs> Let me just try to bridge that a little bit and say that they hand Jesus the Isaiah scroll, and that's dangerous. When you hand Jesus Isaiah, get ready, because he's going to pick something that's probably going to press um, some buttons. But in Nehemiah, you see the scroll do a, a different thing, right? In Nehemiah, it brings this swell of emotion, and, and they're moved, and, um, because this is long forgotten. It's lost, and now they have that scroll again. So scrolls and words can sometimes be cutting, and scrolls and words can sometimes be soothing and healing. Sometimes they, they're cutting deep, and they can separate soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and no matter how you swing that sword that's double-edged, it's going to cut somebody some way. And uh, that's a good thing, but be careful when you hand Jesus a scroll, because he's anointed with the Spirit, and a lot of times people who are anointed with the Spirit can do really powerful things in a short amount of time with Isaiah. And so Willie Mon goes on to say about preaching. He says that preaching is not a sermon. He says it's not a sermon unless the words of the preacher are empowered by the Spirit. And that same Spirit is the agent that actually makes hearing capable within the people. So Dr. Chris Green, who's a, a mentor friend, he always says no matter what you preach, they're not going to hear the sermon that you preached. You're going to hear something else. And that's the work of the Spirit, right? And thank God for that. I hope you don't hear the foolishness of my sermon. I hope you hear something else. I hope you hear something good. Um, and so here's Jesus with the words in the Isaiah scroll. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he goes straight to Isaiah 61. That's that text. And you can hear, I want you to imagine you're there. 
you're raised with this scroll, and you know that that text is actually referring to the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who's going to come and set everybody free, your people free. And this is a weighty text. And when he reads it, the whole place just falls silent with that gravity. And their eyes began to just fixate upon him after he sits down. And it's not only what he reads. This is what kind of set something off in my heart. It's not only what he chose to read in that section, but it's what he chose to not read. And check this out. If you look at verse 2, which is where he was reading from, we call it verse 2. It says that this agent is here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, but that's not the final word of that text. It doesn't finish there in Isaiah chapter 61. He leaves out to them what was the best part, because if you would just read the very next sentence, it's actually a part of the same text. It says, the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, a celebration of God's destruction of our enemies. Now, that's the part they liked. That's the part they wanted to hear. That's the part that they were really looking forward to. It would be like, and I had to, I had to Google this. I was thinking about um, Roger Rabbit. Oh, my, my examples are so horrible. But Roger Rabbit, how, do you remember in the movie, he, he had to respond to shave and a haircut. It was like this irresistible thing. And I forgot the name of that tune, but it was dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah, it's like two cents. Shave and a haircut, two cents, something like that. Roger Rabbit had to finish it. This was like that for them. You don't read that text from Isaiah and not finish with the destruction of our enemies. Like, you have to give us that. But he didn't do it. It would be like, um, I had to look up the name of the band. They were called Steam. But you guys know their song. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Hey, hey, hey. Now, what if I just didn't finish it? Something in your heart just goes, mm. right? You got to be like going to a Queen concert and they start singing, we will, we will. And then there's just that tension, right? There's that tension. It doesn't happen. You want that. It's called resolve in music, right? It, you want that resolve, but it doesn't come. And this is the resolve they wanted. You don't read Isaiah 61 verse 2 without finishing it the right way. N.T. Wright says the Isaiah text goes on to speak about vengeance on Israel's enemies, but Jesus, I, I'm going to try to say it in N.T. Wright's voice, but Jesus doesn't quote that bit, right? That bit, he doesn't quote it. He doesn't give them that. He edits out the hook of the song. He decides not to read what was to them the best part. I think there's an anointing on some folks to, there's an, an empowerment to, put certain parts in their place within the Bible. Uh, and what I mean by that is that the Spirit still is guiding us into all truth, and Jesus has to be our hermeneutical lens. And I think that what Jesus does with Isaiah 61 is beautiful. I like the fact that he doesn't give them the hook. He ends with jubilee, and then he takes a seat. And I, I think that there's a scandalous sort of grace with his words and his teaching, and folks are astonished. He reads, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he sent, he sent me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls up the scroll without finishing it, and he sits down. And then with all eyes glaring at him, 
<laughs> this is literally a mic drop moment. I, I just see it that way. I see it as a, a tense moment. Everyone's looking at him, and he says what they're all thinking, which is, are you making a statement here? And he looks around at them, and he says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And Luke finds this account so important that he literally rearranges Mark's chronology of Jesus's ministry in Galilee to fit this at the, be the beginning of the story of Christ. He, he puts this towards the beginning. This is, to Luke, the mission statement of Jesus, the keynote address of Jesus. And this is what the power of the Holy Ghost can do in our lives if we let the Spirit do it. This is the ministry of Christ. This is what he was anointed for. And a writer named Robert Brearley, he wrote that we need to ask ourselves this question. I'm going to ask you this question today. And that is, do you, do we have the power of the Spirit? And how can we tell if we have the power of the Spirit? What, what is going on in our lives? What's the Spirit doing within our testimony and our words and our, our mission? Are we empowered for mission by the Spirit? And I think the key question for me was, how does our mission in life, how does that emerge? You ever wondered that? What am I here for? What am I really here for? And how is the Spirit using me and, and moving through me in this world? So I'm just going to offer some things and maybe something can resonate with your heart. I think your mission in life emerges the same way that it did for Christ. Same way. When the Spirit claims you in baptism, your mission begins. When God calls you like He called Jesus, when the Father calls Christ beloved, when He calls you beloved, something in your heart responds to that, and you can't, you can't stop it when He calls you beloved. When you're led out, maybe you can relate to this, into the wilderness, and you're in these dry, arid places of life. And in those moments, you're led to sometimes wonder when you're in the wilderness in the, des the deserted places of life i think your mission is actually starting and when the spirit teaches you in that moment what is real what to say no to false options and when the spirit leads you to say yes to the good purposes of god that's when your mission starts when you say no to self-glory and yes to helping the poor and those captured by all kinds of stuff, including systems of sin. When we allow the Spirit to work within us into a scandalous form of grace that welcomes everybody and that allows God to cross God's own lines and lead us again into these weird spaces where pagan widows are ministered to and pagan enemies like Naaman are healed, that's when you know the Spirit is beginning in your life. When, I like that term, when God leads you to cross God's own line. When we say no to, to this impulse, I think a lot of times within the church, we feel the need to get God to work for us instead of recognizing that the Spirit's not there so that God would do your work. The Spirit's there so that you would do God's work. I think that's when you know your, your mission is emerging by the power of the Spirit. And it won't be comfortable because sometimes you have to do this stuff in your own hometown where yeah, I don't agree with the theme song of Cheers. It's not always good when everybody knows your name. <laughs> and depending on what you say, they may not be always glad that you came. Um, 
I think the Spirit is working in your life when you're freed from the language that we read in Corinthians. When you're freed from this sort of ideology, this sort of language that I have no need for you. Oh man, those are great chains to be broken when the Spirit does that work in your life. I think I'll break for a second from what I have written down to say. I pray that's what God's doing here. I am more and more convinced in my heart that people all across this country, people of faith from all different traditions, are done with saying that I have no need for you. We're looking at the body and we're saying, oh, we need you. Methodists are looking at Baptists, and and as hard as it is with Baptists, I get it. (laughs) They're saying, we need you. Folks from a sacramental tradition are looking at evangelicals, and I come from that camp, but I'll be the first one to say, we need evangelicals. I'm an evangelical. There's still good news, right? And then a lot of folks are looking at Pentecostals and except for the ones on TV, uh, but for the most part, um, we need Pentecostals. And so I think the Spirit's at work when we realize that that sort of I don't need you language, uh, it's not healthy. It's not faithful. I'll finish this up. When we're anointed and we have this sense of urgency, this is how I want to end it today. When we have this sense of urgency and we realize, like what Jesus said, today the scripture is fulfilled. Like today, this is happening right now. When we have a sense of urgency and realize that this is the day, it's always today. Always. Today is always the day that God gives us. We have no other day given to us except for today. Today is always the day to be available to the Spirit so that we can bring good news to the poor. I'm going to say it one more time. To bring good news to the poor. I would imagine that that's mediocre news to the middle class. And if Mary's right, it's not that good of news for the rich. But it's good news. What's God doing in your life? Where's the Spirit leading you? Are you in a desert place, a wilderness place? Let me just encourage you this afternoon by just offering this thought for your consideration. Wherever you're at, Be open to the Spirit. Let the Spirit lead you and guide you into all truth. Be willing to open your mouth and speak truth in love and the truth about love, even if it gets you into trouble. It's okay. We celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. this month. He was a man who knew how to allow the Spirit to use him to get into good trouble, bringing good news to poor people. It's always the day. Today is always the day to bring freedom and offer new beginnings to those who need a new start. You may have to say these words to people who are not ready to hear them, but say them. Be kind, but say them. And let the Spirit anoint you so that you can bring good news to the poor. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Commons podcast. You can find out more about us at our website, thesacredcommons.com. If you feel connected to this ministry in any way, we appreciate your support. We appreciate your partnership. It helps us continue to do this work in the city of Youngstown, where we are happy to be launching a new church plant. 
Finally, why don't you come and join us for a service? 323 Wick Avenue at the beautiful St. John's Episcopal Church. We meet in the chapel. Come and worship with us. We'd love to see you there. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.